And welcome in to this week's edition of the 1010XL.com Gator Bites Podcast. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, their Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. We certainly always appreciate Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Denny, the month of February is upon us. Spring ball actually starting for some Power 5 schools around the country. We'll dive into that in a little bit. We'll talk a little uh, recruiting, a recap, and kind of a preview to the 2022 class. A little Gator hoops as well, but certainly the big talk, at least recently, was the announcement yesterday that in 10 years, so mark your calendar, 2031, the Gators are going to go to South Bend to play Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish will make the return trip in 2032. And Scott Strickland continues to add really good non-conference opponents. Did I see that this game's in, like, November? November of 2031, yeah. That's awesome. Like, that it's not a week one or two game that this game is right in the middle of the SEC schedule, right before Florida State. I'm all for that. The thing that this tells me, Hacker, is where college football is going, and I think that should excite everybody, is you're seeing not just Scott Strickland, but all these major programs doing this. And it's, you know, yeah, it's 10 years out. I mean, damn, I'll be 55 years old. I don't even know if I'll care as much <laughs> as I care right now. But um, but we're starting to see them now, right? The things that were happening six or seven years ago are starting to come to fruition now. I'm sure the third and fourth graders currently – that are going to be playing in that game 10 years from now or will be uh, or really making an impact with yeah, their elementary school football absolutely. teams. Absolutely. Go, go watch recesses right now exactly. at the local schools and you'll see the future Gators. But but I do think it's a cool thing that's happening to college football. I mean, we've got Clemson, Georgia to start the year off this year. I think the directional schools are going away and we're going to start seeing more and more and more of these, especially as name, image, likeness, things like that come around. Um Football is going to be even more of a cash cow than it is now. I don't know this, but based on your answer, I get the feeling you're going to disagree with what I'm about to say. Okay, I got into a I got into a spirited debate. I won't go as far as to call it an argument, but a spirited debate with both Matt Hayes and Joe Cowart on XL Primetime yesterday about this very topic. Do I like the fact that Florida is playing Notre Dame in ten years or Utah in 2022? Cal, Arizona State, Texas, Miami. Do I like these games? Yeah, I do like them. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but they are not needed. They don't need to happen. And for Florida to play these games, that's great, and they'll have a lot of buildup. But in 2031, when Florida's undefeated and coasting to a national title and they go to South Bend and lose – it would have been much better off if you played Akron that week as no, opposed we to Notre Dame. I don't disagree with you on that, but I will say this. Um, I think those days are going away for everybody. I don't think it's just Florida. I think it's the way that college football is headed right now. You're getting to bigger TV contracts. You're getting to more lucrative deals. I mean, it, it has to happen that way because college football has become so expensive. Um, these mega facilities are being built on top of each other now, and and – I, so, no, I don't disagree with you. I like the tune-up games. I like the 62-7 to because I don't want to go to an August game in the Swamp anyway. Right. Right. So I'd rather watch them beat the hell out of somebody from the comfort of my own home than have to sweat out, you know, a Notre Dame game. I am with you. But here's where I changed my thought a little bit. Two years ago, I was at the Georgia-Notre Dame game. 
Um, that was Carson Beck's official visit weekend, and my wife and I went, and it was amazing, awesome. It was so different than what I was used to seeing Georgia, Florida, or Florida, you know, whoever, LSU, whoever the big game is now. It was just different, and it was like, I want that. I want to be able to go down to Gainesville and experience that. I want to be able to go to South Bend and experience this. So I, that's where it kind of changed for me is like, okay, I'm a fan. I want the best experience I can have. Their job is to win football games. If he loses that football game to Notre Dame, then bump him. He shouldn't have lost it. Well, yes. Okay. I think I would like it more if we expanded from a four-team playoff. The way it basically is right now, Florida can maybe lose one game outside chance of two, and that's a very outside chance, and have any shot at the playoff. When you're playing teams like Texas and like Utah and like Notre Dame and like Miami, Florida's going to lose some of these games. And when you lose some of these games, then you have to run the SEC table to have any shot of getting in a four-team playoff. But we've talked about this on here many times, and I think you and I disagree on this a little bit. If you dictate your team's success on whether or not they hoist a trophy at the end of the year, you're going to be disappointed 99% of the time unless you are an Alabama fan or a Clemson fan right now. Don't you think most of the people watching on Facebook Live right now, that's how they dictate success? Well, I hope not because they've been miserable for a long time right now. Yeah. And and if you're a Georgia fan then and Georgia football is your life, then you've been miserable for almost as long as I've been alive. I, I, I just I, – you at some point you have to – kind of enjoy the present, right? You have to enjoy what you're watching. The la- Was the last four weeks of the Florida season fun to watch? No, it wasn't. But it was fun to watch them play big games, right? It was fun to watch them play in the SEC Championship and compete toe-to-toe with Alabama. This coming from a guy who for a living, all right, teaches guys how to compete at that level. It's like I cannot allow myself to – let my happiness or, or my fandom depend on whether or not our guys are getting rings because I'm not getting one of them. Right. Right. They're not sending me a ring. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to enjoy these games. It's going to be fun to talk about the week before, and it's going to be awesome the morning of the buildup. And then just hopefully you win the football games. If you don't, you probably weren't going to be the national champion anyway. And look, I mean, I agree that I, I don't like seeing Florida play the Citadel. I don't like Florida playing Charleston Southern games like that. But I mean, you're going Notre Dame and Texas and Utah and Miami. You're going big boys. Oh yeah, you are. Yeah. I mean, look, you can't play. And then NC State. Now NC State's kind of one that I like. You know, Florida plays NC State. That's certainly better than a Group of Five game. But that's a game that I think helps both schools. NC State gets recognition they probably wouldn't have. Florida gets a stiffer test than they would have gotten. But odds are Florida's going to beat North Carolina State. I don't mind games like that. Purdue, Indiana, Texas Tech, teams like that. The problem when you play the Texases and the Notre Dames and the Miamis of the world is it all sounds good in theory, and the buildup to the game will be outstanding. And then when you lose and you're 0-1 before the month of September hits and your season's almost in shambles, you're gonna want to. You're gonna wish you didn't play that game. Let, let me let me throw another thing at you. I don't believe that these are recruiting games from the aspect of you don't go to Colorado or Utah because you're not really recruiting those areas. Oh, I'm so happy you said that. I got a thought on that, but, but keep going. But I do believe. And I don't believe. I know because I've witnessed it. The group that Georgia had at that Georgia Notre Dame game was unbelievable. It was 
four and five stars all over the place. Now, what was funny is a couple weeks later, Florida and Auburn played. I was also at that game. Same group. Not all, but 80% same group. You know where those people ended up going? Georgia. Mm-hmm. Almost to a man, they went to Georgia. And I was at both games, and the Florida-Auburn game, from what we like to hear as a fan perspective, the crowd noise was much louder there. The experience at Georgia-Notre Dame wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Way better. Way better. Night game against Notre Dame, a national brand. Tickets were going for 1000 bucks outside the gate. Like Georgia had everything planned and everything based around that weekend, and that had been planned out for years and years and years and years. That does help you. That's an interesting thought, and I one I hadn't thought of. What you said earlier, though, Florida needs to play games in California for recruiting purposes. That just boggles the mind that here we are in 2021, and people still recite that narrative, and amazingly enough, people still believe that narrative. What does a three-hour football game in Berkeley mm-hmm. have anything to do with having a recruiting footprint in California? Nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. They all that know is who the Florida is. Dumbest already. thing ever. Yeah. No, they already know who Florida is. I mean, you can make the argument the younger generations had games on TV there and they get their first glimpse of Florida. And I get all that, but these are national brands now with multi-million dollar recruiting budgets that they want to fly their happy butt to Los Angeles to go recruit somebody, they will. This coming off the hills of them trying to recruit someone in Seattle, that has gotten a bunch of people in a lot of trouble. Just stay in your backyard. There's plenty of talent here. There's plenty of talent. If you want to go to Texas, that's cool. There's plenty of talent from Texas East. No need to go to California. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. For the highest quality care, you can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com. And you can also listen for Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good Dr. Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in sports. Talking about the recruiting game now. Florida finishes outside the top 10, according to most uh, recruiting experts, now that the 2021 period has officially come and gone. I was talking to Graham, one of the guys here at the station, off off air, and he made an interesting point, one that you can certainly address because your work with six points in training quarterbacks, you go on a lot of recruiting visits, you do a lot of recruiting work, you talk to a lot of college coaches uh, in the recruiting world. Dan Mullen is still currently fighting an uphill battle with facilities. They're being built, right, in Gainesville, but clearly they're not what you would find in Georgia or Alabama, or Texas A&M, Clemson, etc. So should we blame Mullen for not having top 10 classes until those facilities are good to go in Gainesville? Yeah, yeah, we should blame Mullen. I, I don't – the facilities thing to me, we've talked about this before, if your goal is to keep up with Alabama, Clemson, Texas A&M, you're way behind. And so the very second that this facility gets done, you better be breaking ground on another one. Like a bigger and improved one. Look at what Auburn's doing. Look at what Georgia's doing. You're catching up with where they are now, and they're building their next set of facilities. So Florida's got some ground to make up. Auburn's got the flight simulator going in. Genius. Yeah. Um, what happened this year is an interesting study in the way recruiting works. Florida signed a full class in early signing. 
they were in play late for guys that wanted to come to Florida, but Florida didn't really have room for them. Because they got a lot of guys out of the portal, too. They got a lot of guys out of the portal. So there were four and five stars who wanted to come to Gainesville. And I'm not saying wanted to come to school to Gainesville. Wanted to come to Gainesville for visits. There were a couple of them that came. Like, now, when I say visit, this is we're paying. Like, if it's me and my son right now, the way the pandemic works, we have to pay. We can't see a coach. We just go see Gainesville. There's kids that went to Gainesville who had an early offer who wanted to commit who Florida couldn't take because their numbers are full. The class could have been a top seven or eight class if it would have been managed correctly from the start. If you go back and you look at some of the guys that Florida signed early, eh, like the number five or 600 ranked guy in the country, you could have easily replaced that with the number 150th. So is this a lesson to people to not, fill your numbers in in December? Well, I, th- I think it I mean I, I think what you have to do now, especially in pandemic recruiting, is you have to be patient. Is you have to realize that there's going to be guys that that come late that I don't I don't have to sign a full class in December. And Florida did. We talked about it in December. They signed 25 in the early signing, I believe. Um so I I don't I think that it's hard to say Dan Mullen blew it, but let's just say this. The last two months have not been Dan Mullen's best work. No. On the field, off the field. And this time last year, Florida fans were griping about recruiting, and I remember stomping on the table and saying, wait a second, they were top 10 on the field and off the field. You can't gripe about that. Well, now they weren't either. Now, f- fair game. You've lost coaches that you didn't want to lose. You've lost recruits that you didn't want to lose. You're signing some big portal guys – Look for news coming that they may not even be eligible. Oh, really? Academically. Like, oh. I mean, there's there's other things going on in Gainesville that just make me scratch my head right now. Now, you know, it's interesting, and, and let's get into that a little bit because the casual fan would say, from the outside looking in, Dan Mullen has three consecutive New Year's Six Bowl appearances. Dan Mullen has two 10-win seasons. The one season that was not a 10-win season, Florida at one point was 8-1, and one ranked number six in the country and controlled their own destiny to get into the college football playoff. On the surface, things look great up until probably December 12th. Right. December 12th, you lose to LSU. December 19th, you lose to Alabama. You then just get embarrassed in the Cotton Bowl in a game where it did not look like you really wanted to be there. Then assistant coaches, some get fired, some leave. We saw Brian Johnson leave. Why has things gone a little sideways here in the last two months? Well, I, I don't forget the LSU thing was full of embarrassing moments as a Florida fan. And not even playing Kyle Pitts, which that right. kind of loses sight of that. That was number one embarrassing moment. Who could have played? Yeah. The Alabama thing was cool. Like the Alabama thing, you were toe-to-toe with them, right? The Oklahoma game was bad enough, but then Dan Mullen came out and said what he said, which we would roast any other coach for saying. And if you've forgotten, he essentially said, our season ended 11 days ago, meaning the game against Alabama. We played a lot of young guys. I mean, imagine. the game didn't matter. Imagine Florida fans if Kirby Smart said that. Or if Mike Norvell, well, they'd have to get to that bowl game. But <laughs> if one of those guys said that, you would lose your mind. Mullen so, shouldn't have said it, but was he right? Doesn't matter. That, that's not the mentality. Like, he's a standard over everything guy. He's a standard is the standard. 
right? He's an expectation guy. I've heard him preach it. And I loved, don't get me wrong, I love Dan Mullen. I've sat on this podcast for two years and defended Dan Mullen. What I'm telling you right now is Dan Mullen's having a bad run for the last 90 days. Yeah. Dan Mullen needs to get his crap together. He needs a life coach or something to come in and say, Dan, just kind of shake him up. You go, yo, what happened in the last 90 days because you're a different guy than what you were 90 days previous? Let's get you back to that other guy. You could almost even say it started after the Texas A&M game. Oh, we need to pack the swamp in the middle of a pandemic, and then no more than five days later, you know, Mullen reportedly, along with like 20 of his guys, have COVID. When, and I'm going to give a pass here. Having said all of that, I am going to give a pass. Dan Mullen is absolutely the guy to lead Florida to where they want to go. This past year has been so bizarre for college coaches. Even on the recruiting side, nobody knew what to expect. To sign a full class in December and for me to get on here and roast them would be shallow because they had no idea what to expect. It was At a point, it was like, get them while you can. Get them while you can, right? Because you didn't know. And then the, the, the mental toll with all of the coaches that I've talked to was far more exhausting. And nobody's feeling sorry for them because they make good money doing this. Far more exhausting than what I think anybody realized of the COVID protocols and the way they'd. If you go to Florida right now, their weight room is still in the indoor. Yeah. Like, I mean, everything changed. Testing, not knowing who's playing, contact tracing, not knowing from week to week if you're playing a game based on the other teams. Well, I mean, we see massive COVID issues with the basketball team right now. So I, I, I do think that probably played in, and I do think at some point when everybody gets rested up, Things will get back to normal in Gainesville. Today's Gator Podcast brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. So along the line of thinking with football, before we shift gears to basketball, we're still a about a month away from really firing up spring football in Gainesville. Uh, other SEC schools will start a little bit earlier. Clemson actually starts pretty early, too. Clemson's mm-hmm. spring game is like the first Saturday in April. So spring football on the horizon for some Power 5 schools. As we inch closer to that, you've worked with Anthony Richardson many times as at six points. You've also worked with Emory Jones in the past. Do you feel that there will be a quarterback – battle, uh, controversy, whatever verbiage you want to use beginning in spring, is it Jones v. Richardson or is it clearly Emory Jones's job? It's Emory's to lose. I, I think there will be an element of competition. I do think Anthony Richardson will get a significant amount of snaps regardless. Anthony's having an incredible offseason. I mean, re- everybody you talk to in Gainesville will tell you this guy is crushing life right now. He's a great leader, all that kind of stuff. But Emory's really good. And Emory's waited his time, and Emory knows the offense as well as anybody on that roster, including Kyle Trask, the way he knew it. So I think it's Emory's to lose. I, I think you'd be silly to bet that Emory wasn't going to be the starter. But Anthony Richardson is that good. Mm-hmm. He's that special of a talent that if anybody can pull this off and, and, and yank this job away from a deserving candidate – it's Anthony Richardson. You know, let's talk about both of them for a second in the sense that let's focus on Emory first. Is there a guy in college football right now in the NFL that you could compare Emory Jones's game to? Is there a guy that you say, yeah, he kind of plays a little bit like that guy? Yeah, Deshaun. Deshaun Watson. 
Wow. Yeah. It's uh, pretty I'm, high praise. I'm not, I'm not saying he is Deshaun. Right, but similar style. Very similar in, in the way that Emery is an elite runner and you don't even realize it. Right? When Anthony gets in there, you're going to realize like this dude is a tank. He's a hoss. Emery has put on really good weight, looks great. Um, he is a very good and slippery runner, never takes a clean hit, much like Deshaun Watson. He's also a very accurate thrower. Mm-hmm. And I when I watch Deshaun Watson, it's like Deshaun Watson's that guy that you can watch a whole game, then at the end of the game you look down and you're like, dang, that guy's he's completed 70% of his passes, has 300 yards. It didn't feel like it. That's what I see when I see Emory. I can watch him throw, and it's like, okay, I haven't seen Emory miss in the last 25 throws. But it's, it's, I didn't realize it when I was watching at the time. So those two are the comparable for me with Emory. And, Anthony is – Is he Cam Newton? Anthony? Yeah. No, no. He's like – I mean, Cam Newton wishes he could throw a football like Anthony huh. Richardson. Wow. okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean Cam he... Newton to me is not a compliment. At times, like people throw Former away. league MVP. Yeah, for one year. Uh, I mean, I, I people want to compare Joey Gatewood, and what I think happens, and I hope this doesn't happen with Anthony, and it won't because Dan Mullen's so good with this. When you put people into that box, you think they're zone read and power, quarterback power type of guys. They're not. So that's the only reason why I say he's not Cam Newton. Joey Gatewood and, and Anthony Richardson trained together over the holidays with me. They're both the same guy in this aspect. People have them read wrong. You want them dropping back 40 times a game because they're going to make plays with their arms, and if number one read and number two read's not there, then they're a problem. So is Richardson Dak Prescott? Probably more along those lines, yeah. And obviously Mullen had unbelievable success Dak Prescott that ran a 4-4-9 on a laser. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's his ceiling is so ridiculously high. It's going to be exciting to watch him. And, so, and then obviously the two other quarterbacks in that room – our two true freshmen coming in, and Carlos Del Rio and Jalen Kitna. And, and, you know, look, I looked on, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit last week. You lose Kyle Pitts, you lose Kadarius Toney, you lose Trevon Grimes. I mean, that's that's huge, obviously. But think about what you have coming back with Jacob Copeland, with Justin Shorter, with Trent Whitmore, with Xavier Henderson. You got Kamari Gamble. You got Keon Zipper. You got all your running backs back. and Rick Wells. Rick Wells. Uh, the kid Pouncey from Texas. Ethan Pouncey, yeah. I have seen. He's a talent. And then I don't know if I should include, you know, Demarcus Bowman or Eric Gilbert in this because of what you said earlier, but at least for the here and now, mm-hmm. because we don't know about eligibility, mm-hmm. but two former five stars coming in as well. On offense, the Gator, the Gator or on paper, the Gator offense should be very should good. Should be fine. Should be fine. And and I don't think the more we get away from the, the – um, hectic end of the season the more positive I get about the 21 Gators because I think the defense is still their stronger point the issue is you still have the D, same D coordinator and can they get lined up um, but they're very can talented they get lined up? very talented defensively yeah so I mean it, it the expectation should be just about as high as what it was last year for this Gator team Let's wrap up with basketball. Obviously, Did not we too to? much. Well, not too much to break down X's and O's. They've only played once in the last week, and that was the loss to South Carolina. But you got to you got to feel for these guys. They had a COVID outbreak, cost them three games. Then you had the unbelievable situation with Keontae Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, that cost them another two weeks of their season. You think you're over it? You know, you're playing games. They're up to 14 games played, 15 games played, and then bam. COVID outbreak number two. The Tennessee game has been postponed. The LSU game has been postponed. 
I mean, what a what an awful year. What a roller coaster year for Gator Hoops. Yeah, I mean, it has been bad, and they need to get back on the court after that loss. But was the outbreak in Gainesville? They said issues in the Gator program. I, that's the part I don't understand because even before the season started, they had to shut down activities because of an outbreak. So this is the third one. There's only 12 people on this team. Right. Like, as someone who has had COVID and is depending highly on this this immunity or this uh, – Herd immunity? Yeah, yes. Like, this concerns me a little bit. Like, it hasn't run its course through the whole team yet. There's only 12 of them. This is outbreak number three. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, I think – I don't know, but it could be coaches or support staff or – it could be just one guy got it and contact traced out. I, I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. It's been a terrible year. And not to, not to break down college hoops all that much, but Kentucky is 5-13. and 13. Duke, I believe, is 7-8 and eight Duke, at last yeah. check. Yeah. Uh, Michigan State was like the last team in in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. North Carolina's found themselves a little bit. I think they're 12-6. and six. But the Blue Bloods of college basketball, Duke and Kentucky – for their standards, are just horrible Awful. this year. Awful. Have you – and there's teams that you don't even realize. Like, Arkansas beat Kentucky last night, right? Yeah. So they're like 15-5 and five Arkansas now. is very good. But it's Gonzaga's world. Everybody else is living Gonzaga. There. Gonzaga's on the top floor. Baylor, Man, probably three or have four. Have you watched Gonzaga? I've watched them. Whew. I watched Andrew Nemhard out there. Man. Who's done they, pretty well for them. I don't even like watching college football, but they're fun to watch. Yeah. No one's no one's gone unbeaten since I think the running Rebs. Yeah, Larry Johnson and UNLV in 1990. I was. At It'll be interesting game. to see if Gonzaga can do it. I was at the UNLV Arkansas game when it was one and two. Yeah, and Larry Johnson and Todd Day got into a fight right in front of me. Like oh the big, wow! Yeah, it was a it was one of the funnest sporting events I've ever been to. Grandmama Larry Johnson. I mean that team had Stacy Augman, uh, Greg was, Anthony. Yeah, they were really really good. No, but I agree. If I were to give you Gonzaga, I take the field. How would you feel about your bet in the NCAA tournament? If I had Gonzaga? And I had everybody else. I'd feel pretty good. Yeah. I mean, obviously the field's going to be favored, but, I mean, that's the team I would take it against. Florida State's pretty good, too. Yeah. You need some. You need a big team that's long and got depth, and Florida State has that if you're going to compete against Gonzaga. But we'll see. Hopefully Florida's in. I mean, look, after the yeah, loss to in. South Carolina, Lenardi's got him as a seven. You would have liked to have played these last two games to – kind of get your momentum back, and then the, the SEC tournament's on the horizon very quickly I mean, you as gotta well. you got to think, it's, yeah, I was going to say it's mid-February now. So they'll probably, after all this said and done, they'll probably get, what, six more games in, five they more They were games? scheduled to have 23 games. They've are, they've had two postponements. Let's say they get 20 games in. There'll be five more. So they'll get five more. you got to think, as well as they're playing, they'll win three of those, right, at, at a worst case. They're going to win a tournament game. I, I don't see any way they don't get in unless yeah. they just absolutely collapse. They should get in. They should get in, which will be a nice. Uh, we'll see how much damage they can do in the NCAA tournament. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the Hacker Ryan Green. A little bit different for Denny this week. You usually get him on the sports den beginning at 8 o'clock. Blue is on vacation, so you guys – are what six o'clock some nights seven o'clock some nights this week seven o'clock tonight i won't be here tonight but seven o'clock tonight tomorrow night we'll be at mr chubby's by the way in ponte Vedra. oh good if people want to come out and hang six o'clock six to eight o'clock on thursday and friday so the sports den denny thompson big game james coleman of course you get me on xl primetime with leon searcy joe cowart and matt hayes we'll be back next week for another edition of gator bites right here on 1010xl.com and on the florida gator 1010xl facebook page